Hello, and welcome to the Word Theater Short Story Podcast, your weekly access to the best short stories read by great actors, recorded live in the U.S. and the U.K., usually with the writer in the room. My name is Cedaring Fox. I'm Word Theater's founder and artistic director. My name is Kirsty Pitt, Word Theater's UK founder and creative partner. Word Theater is a non-profit organization comprised of artists who are passionate about the ability of stories to awaken us to our humanity by exploring the complexities that we of various races, nationalities, ages, and backgrounds face. On this week's podcast episode, we have Mark Richard's The Birds for Christmas from his collection of stories, Charity. A prolific writer comfortable in many genres, Mark Richard has written short stories, novels, screenplays, and teleplays. He is a recipient of many awards from the Penn Ernest Hemingway Foundation, the National Endowment for the Arts, and the Whiting Foundation. A very successful television writer and producer with many credits, including Hell on Wheels, Fear the Walking Dead, Man in the High Castle, and The Good Lord Bird, Mark Richard came from very humble beginnings. We're tremendously inspired by his ability to take his experiences of being a child who grew up poor in the South and turn his adversity into an unforgettable story. Reading The Birds for Christmas is the ubiquitous, supremely talented Craig Bierko. But first, to introduce his story, please welcome the author, Mark Richard. Hi, this is Mark Richard. It started as an assignment from Russ Sills, who was the fiction editor at Esquire back in the day. And the summer before Christmas, he was going to publish a garland of Christmas stories, he said. But not many people wanted to write one, I suppose, or didn't have one. But I did. And I had it sentence by sentence in my head. And I was walking around with it. And all I needed to do was just put it down on paper. And I was going to bed one night. And I thought, if you don't, get out of bed and write it down right now. You're going to forget it. So I got out of bed and wrote it out in its entirety in longhand and then went to sleep. And then, of course, when I woke up, I'd completely forgotten about it and went to the desk. And there it was as if it had been written by an elf. And it's based on some semi-autobiographical experiences I had as a child in what they called back then crippled children's hospitals. And some of the people are semi-fictitious. The experience was real, not to give away the story, but there was a feeling around Christmas in the children's hospital, especially a poor children's hospital. The biggest fear was not being picked up or taken home for Christmas as the wards would be emptying out. And every day somebody would come and maybe get someone. And then often there were people not picked up. So there was that fear of that and that feeling of foreboding and the dread of Christmas. And I felt purged in a way after having written it. I felt that it was a story. I've only had two stories that I've written in their entirety at one sitting. So it's a favorite of mine in that way and that it felt effortless and that it did feel like it was written by someone else or an elf or Santa's helper, if you will. And it's one of my favorites and it's been much anthologized, but I'm glad to have written it. We eventually placed it in The New Yorker and Bob Gottlieb, the famous New Yorker editor, and he only had one change, which was rare for me. It was a spelling of a word, you know, because the New Yorker had his own style book, and they changed somber, S-O-M, 
B-E-R to S-O-M-B-R-E, which was their style. I'd never had that happen before. So I hope people enjoy it. I hope it's not too much of a downer. And just understand that it was written out of a true place, in a true place, with I think was a true feeling at the time. And to me, that's what made it honest, at least in my retelling of it. We wanted the birds for Christmas. We'd seen the commercials for it on the television, donated third-hand by the merchant Siemens and Sailor's Rest Home, a big black and white zenith of cracked plastic, no knobs, a dime stuck in the channel selector. You could adjust the picture and have no sound, or hi-fi sound and no picture. <laughs> we just wanted the picture. We wanted to see the birds. The old head nurse said not to get her hopes up. It was a late show, after lights out, the night before Christmas Eve. She said it would wake the babies and scare the little boys down in the far end of the ward. Besides, she said, she didn't think it was the type of movie we should be seeing Christmas week. She said she was certain there would be Rudolph and Frosty on. That would be more appropriate for us to watch on the night before Christmas Eve. Fuck Frosty! <laughs> Fuck Frosty, Michael Christian said to me. I seen that a hundred times. I want to see the birds, man. I want to see those birds get all up in them people's hair. That's some real Christmas TV to me. Michael Christian and I were some of the last big boys to be claimed for Christmas. We were certain someone would eventually come for us. We were not frightened yet. There were still some other big boys around. The big boy who ran away to a gas station every other night. The human skeleton who would bite you. <laughs> and the guy locked away on the sun porch who the young doctors were taking apart, an arm and a leg at a time. The young doctors told Michael Christian that their Christmas gift to him would be that one day he would be able to do a split on stage, just like his idol, James Brown. Never seemed to be any doubt in Michael Christian's mind about that. For now, he just wanted to see the birds while he pretended to be James Brown in the hospital. Pretending to be James Brown in the hospital was not without its hazards for Michael Christian. He had to remember to keep his head lifted from his pillow so as not to behead his budding afro. Once, when he was practicing his singing, the nurses rushed to his bed asking where it hurt. <laughs> I'm warming up, I feel good, stupid bitches, said Michael Christian. And then his bed was jerked from the wall and wheeled with great speed, pushed and pulled along by hissing nurses, jarring other bedsteads, Michael Christian's wrists hanging over the safety bed rails like jailhouse window hands. He was on his way to spend a couple of solitary hours out in the long, dark, and empty hall. Him rolling his eyes at me as he sped past, saying, Oh, man, now I feel bad! <laughs> Bedwheeling into the hall was one of the few alternatives to corporal punishment that the nurses had, most of them being reluctant to spank a child in traction for spitting an orange pip at his neighbor. <laughs> or to beat a completely burned child for cursing. <laughs> Bed wheeling into the hall 
was especially effective at Christmas time when it carried the possibility of missing Christmas programs. A veteran of several Christmases in the hospital and well acquainted with the grim Christmas programs, Michael Christian scoffed at the treasures handed out by the church and the state charities. The aging fruit, the surplus ballpoint pens, the occasional batches of recycled toys that didn't work, the games and puzzles with missing pieces. Michael Christian's Christmas wish was as specific as mine. I wanted a miniature train set with batteries so that I could lay out the track to run around my bed over the covers. Not the big Lionel size or the HO size. I wanted the set that you could see in the magazines where they show you the actual size of the railroad engine as being no larger than a walnut. You never get that, man, Michael Christian said, and he was right. James Brown in the hospital's Christmas wish was for the birds at Christmas. And as Michael Christian's friend, I became an accomplice in his desire. In that way, birds became a code, the way words can among boys. Give me some birds, Michael Christian would squawk when the society ladies on their annual Christmas visit asked us what we wanted. How about a nice hat brush? A society lady said, laying one for white people at the foot of Michael Christian's bed. I want a pick, Michael Christian told her. A pick? A shovel? Uh, uh, to, to dig with? Asked the society lady. Well, I, I think he wants it to comb his hair, I said, you know, for his afro. That's right, a pick, said Michael Christian. Tell that stupid white bitch something. Squawk, squawk. He said, flapping his elbows like wings, and the nurses wheeled him out into the hall. Give me some birds! <laughs> and then when they asked me, I said, give him some birds, too! <laughs> Michael Christian's boldness over the Christmas programs increased when Ben, the night porter, broke the television. Looking back, it may not be fair to say that Ben, the night porter, actually broke the television, but one evening it was soundlessly playing some kiddie Christmas show and Ben was standing near it, mopping up a spilt urinal can, when the screen and the hope of Michael Christian's getting his Christmas wish blackened simultaneously. Apologetic at first, knowing what even a soundless television meant to children who'd rarely seen any television at all. Ben then offered up Bum up your butt, Michael Christian, leg braces and all, when Michael Christian hissed, stupid nigger. At Ben, beneath the night nurse's hearing, was a somber lights out. The next night, a priest and some students from the seminary came by. Practice preachers, Michael Christian said. While one of the students read the Christmas story from the Bible, Michael Christian pretended to Pecked his own eyes out with his pinched fingers. <laughs> when the story was finished, Michael Christian said, Now, you say that the sheep herding guys, they're so afraid, right? Sore afraid, said the practice preacher. The shepherds had never seen angels before, and they were sore afraid. Now, 
said Michael Christian. I'll tell you what. See, they see these big white things flapping down, and they was big birds, man. I know birds, man. I know when you got bird problems, man. Um, they were angels, said the young seminary student. No, said Michael Christian. There's big white birds, see? And the sheep herding guys is so afraid that the big white birds are swooping down and getting up in their hands stuff. Squawk, squawk, he said, flapping around in his bed. Squawk, squawk, I answered. And the two of the practice preachers assisted nurses in wheeling Michael Christian into the hall and me into the linen cupboard. <laughs> One night in the week before Christmas, a man named Sammy came to visit. He'd been a patient as a child, and his botched cleft palate and hair lip repairs were barely concealed by a weird line of blonde mustache. Sammy owned a hauling company now, and he showed up blistering drunk, wearing a ratty Santa suit, began handing out black-strapped Timex Junior wristwatches. Still have mine somewhere. One by one, we told Sammy what we wanted for Christmas even though we were not sure because of his speech defect that that was what he was asking. <laughs> Me, the walnut train, Michael Christian, the birds. We answered without enthusiasm, without hope. It was all by rote. And by the end of the visit, Sammy was a, a blubbering, sentimental mess, reeking of alcohol and promises. Ben, the night porter, put him out. It was Christmas Eve week, and the boy who kept running away finally ran away for good. Before he left, he snatched the dime from the channel selector on the broken TV. We all saw him do it, and we didn't care. We didn't even yell out to the night nurse so he could get a better head start than usual. It was Christmas Eve week, and Michael Christian lay listless in his bed. We watched the big boy ward empty. Somebody even came from one of the moaners, and the guy out on the sun porch was sent upstairs for a final visit to the young doctors so they could finish taking him apart. On the night before Christmas Eve, Michael Christian and I heard street shoes clicking down the long corridor that led to where we lay. It was after lights out, and we watched, and we waited, and we waited. And it was just Sammy the Santa, except this time he was wearing a pale blue leisure suit, and his hair was oiled back, and his hands were holding a red wrap box, and they were clean. What we did not want for Christmas were wristwatches. What we did not want for Christmas were bars of soap. What we did not want were any more candy canes, bookmarks, ballpoint pens, or somebody else's last year's broken toy. For Christmas, we did not want plastic crosses, dot books or fruit baskets. No more handshakes, head pats, or storybook times. It was the night before Christmas Eve, and Michael Christian had not mentioned the birds in 
days, and I'd given up on the walnut train. We did not want any more Christmas wishes. And Sammy spoke with the night nurse. We heard him plead that it was Christmas, and she said, all right. And by her flashlight, she bought him in to us. And then the yellow spread of her weak batteries, we watched Michael Christian unwrap a portable television. There was nothing to be done except plug the television into the wall. It was Christmas, Sammy coaxed the reluctant night nurse. And they put the little TV on a chair. We watched the end of the Andy Williams Christmas special. We watched the 11 o'clock news. And then the movie began. The birds. Oh, it was Christmas, Sammy convinced the night nurse. And the night nurse wheeled her chair away from the chart table and rolled it up to the television set. The volume was low, so as not to disturb the damaged babies at the little boy end of the ward. Babies largely uncollected until after the holidays, if at all. Sammy sat on an empty bed. He patted it. Michael Christian and I watched the birds. During the commercials, the night nurse checked the hall for the supervisor. Sammy helped her turn any infant that cried out. The night nurse let Sammy have some extra pillows. Michael Christian spoke to me only once during a commercial when we were alone. He said, those birds be messing people up. <laughs> and when the movie was over, it was the first hours of Christmas Eve. And the night nurse woke Sammy, let him out through the sun porch, and she told us to go to sleep, rolled her chair back to the chart table, and in the emptiness, you could hear the metal charts click and scratch, her fold of white starch rustle. And through a hole in the pony blanket I'd pulled over my head, I could see Michael Christian's bed. His precious afro head was buried deep beneath his pillow. And at the dark end of the ward, a baby cried in its sleep and then was still. It was Christmas Eve, and we were sore afraid. We hope you've enjoyed Craig Bierko's reading of The Birds for Christmas by Mark Richard. If you did, please visit bookshop.org and pick up books by Mark and our other featured writers. Please note that Word Theater holds the copyright to this recording, and no portion of anything you hear on the Word Theater Short Story Podcast may be reproduced without permission. We also hope you will spread the word about our free weekly Word Theater Short Story Podcast. A great gift for yourself or a friend this holiday season is the gift of Word Theater membership. It's the gift that keeps on giving with six free Zooms featuring the best actors and authors from all over the world, plus lots of live shows, videos, party invites. We're always doing perks for our members. We really want you to be part of this really fantastic worldwide family. Word Theater cannot survive and thrive without the support of our enthusiast and patron members. We are planning phenomenal events in LA, New York, and London for 2021. 
for. Members are always invited to our members-only party in Los Angeles on January 14th. If you cannot attend, no worries, you can stream it later on your members page. If you're not in Los Angeles, we'll be planning parties in New York and London too. We've just come off the most extraordinary 20th anniversary year, and we want you to be a part of this moving forward. Please visit wordtheater.org, where you can learn all about Word Theater membership and become part of our circle of cultural champions who believe in the power of short stories to make a better world. Special thanks to LA County Department of Arts and Culture for their continuing support of this podcast, to Jonathan Sachs for composing our theme music, and always to Jason Lee, our podcast editor. This is Cedaring Fox in Los Angeles. And this is Kirsty Pitt up in England's Peak District. Until next week, signing off.